It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, everybody? Ben and Chad here. With no UFC event this weekend, we know you ain't got shit to do, so we figured we'd drop this episode of the CME Patreon Power Hour in your feeds for free. We hope you like it. Remember, if you like what you hear, then you can head on over to patreon.com slash event and enjoy this show every single week, along with all our other Patreon offerings. We have a membership tier for every budget, so go to patreon.com slash event and join the team. Thanks. What's up, patrons? Ben and Chad here once again as the CME's Patreon Power Hour rolls on for January 7th, 2022. Ben, in recent weeks, we've been sitting here praising the UFC for seemingly figuring out a workable run of play for the Just Some Fights era. Specifically, that it has seemed like they've been taking pains to really stack these pay-per-view cards Many of the recent and upcoming pay-per-views have had two title fights each, which is a lot of gold to put on the poster with good supporting cards, really making these pay-per-views feel like appointment viewing. And now, maybe we know why. I believe it was Mark LaMonica from Newsday yesterday broke the news. The UFC, Endeavor, ESPN, whoever you want to pin this on, just going to go ahead and inch that pay-per-view price up another $5 to begin this year. Just inch it up there. So now UFC pay-per-views are going to run you $75 if you want to buy one and consume it the legal way. In fact, this marks the third year in a row where we've started the year by increasing pay-per-view prices by $5. What's your initial reaction here to this price increase? Well, At this point, maybe we shouldn't be surprised anymore, right? Because... I mean, it does seem like they've established a real pattern three years in a row. It's going to be happy January. This same shit costs more now. And, you know, to some extent, I can see people going, hey, that's that's how things go. Things cost more money over time. Uh, Especially when they see, oh, you guys will will pay for this. You will... Hundreds of thousands of you will pay for it pretty... uh, pretty consistently. Okay, let's hike the price up there. Let's just see what the market will bear. But it also seems curious. Timing-wise, it seems curious to me. I mean, not in the sense that this is what they do every January. Like, that timing, I guess, makes a ton of sense. But the fact that here we are, we're sitting at the, the intersection of this time where the UFC has not been able to get its hands around a piracy problem. Dana White went from saying, oh, we got them. We got these people watching their houses, listening to the phone call, sitting outside in an unmarked van, Chad, ready to pounce, telling these people as soon as they they put up the illegal stream, to basically just never talking about that again. And meanwhile, you also have fans who are very conscious of this well-publicized news that the UFC had its best year ever, revenue-wise. And so I can see a lot of people who before either didn't want to go through the hassle of trying to illegally stream an event, uh, you know, maybe didn't have the know-how, 
maybe felt bad about it, especially when they think about their favorite fighter, it might be a champion getting a cut of it. And now, how are you not supposed to feel just straight up gouged when they're going, we are doing fantastic and we want more of your money for the same thing? Especially once you know that there is this option. That when I did that story, frankly, about illegal streaming, I was surprised by how many fans were like, I've never paid for a UFC pay-per-view and I've never missed one I wanted to see. I don't know why anybody pays for them. And a lot of them were quick to admit sort of maybe I'm justifying this shit by saying, hey, the UFC is not giving the money to fighters. UFC is greedy. Uh, And maybe I'm just saying all that so that I'll feel better about stealing their shit. But if you were looking for a reason to feel better about stealing their shit, along comes news like this. And I I think that maybe you nudge a few more people over that cliff. And once you nudge them over that cliff, are you ever getting them back? Yeah, that's a great question. It reminds me of the uh, the hold steady lyric. She only pays attention to the prices of cigarettes. She says she <laughs> hopes they'll get cheaper. Uh, this shit ain't never getting cheaper, man. You know, once these prices go up, uh, they are never coming back down. They were fifty nine ninety nine, uh, raised the price to sixty four ninety nine at the beginning of twenty twenty, then sixty nine ninety nine at the beginning of twenty twenty one. Now seventy four ninety nine will be the regular price of UFC pay per views, the highest price ever. Looking at these numbers from Simon Samano, just to refresh my memory over there. On MMA Junkie, it's a 25% increase in price in three years. According to John Nash, our guy, that's triple the rate of inflation over that same time, which is 9%. Uh, If you were to watch 12 UFC pay-per-views in a year, the legal way, it would cost you $899.98. Thanks to Andreas Hale for doing the math on that one for me. And that, Ben, doesn't even include what you're paying for ESPN+. Plus. Because as we all know now, man, you got to pay just to get in the door. You got to pay the cover charge just to get in the club. Then you got to pay the extra money to get to the VIP if you want to if you want to watch the pay-per-view events. Yeah. Well, and can't you just imagine Dana White sitting in his art of war room hearing people are complaining about this online and being like, "Uh, stuff costs money. Stuff always costs more money every year. Stuff costs more money. Deal with it. You goofs. Like, you know, they're not worried about this at all. And it does make me wonder who is, who is the one pushing for this? Is ESPN the one that wants to keep the price going up? Is the UFC the one? Like, what's, I don't know what their exact arrangement allows for here. But it does seem like we're, we're really trying to find out what, at what point will it fall off a cliff, if ever? And if not, then let's just keep on nudging it up there. I mean, at this point, it does seem like somebody has an alert set on their phone like a reminder. Hey Siri, set a reminder uh for me to raise pay-per-view prices at the beginning of uh next year. I don't know if that's ESPN yeah. or Dana White or Ari Emanuel, but somebody has that. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to wake up in February and be like, "Oh shit. shit I knew there was something to raise I forgot the prices of pay-per-views." Yeah. Uh but you make a good point here, right? That basically over our entire lifespans as UFC fans, it has only gotten more expensive. They've only asked you to pay for more stuff. They've only tried to monetize uh, different aspects of the business. And frankly, as I've said, going back years now on the proper, continually continually asking you to pay for shit that used to be free. But at this point, the elasticity of MMA fans willingness to pay for various shit involving the UFC seems to be unlimited. Now, maybe that's wrong. Maybe, as you said, these continual pay-per-view price hikes only encourage more people to buy the art or to to circumvent the, the, the normal processes and they go about, you know, finding illegal streams and watching the pay-per-views in different ways. But clearly the pay-per-view buy rates, or at least the ones that are released to the public are, you know, not maybe not quite as healthy as they've ever been, but they are robust at this point, right? We're we're getting up around 500,000, 750,000 pay-per-view buys for these UFC pay-per-views on the regular. And yeah. so 
So far, it doesn't seem like this has hurt business. I'm not sure I can envision a scenario where this does hurt business to the extent that that they got to rethink this and, and reel things back in. I mean, I feel like you'd have to get up around triple digits and then maybe people would start to be like, okay, this is ridiculous, you guys. Uh, but so far, as I have said, it feels like MMA fans attitude is to simply be like, yes, amazing. What else can we pay for? How, how much more of our hard-earned money can we give you? And so if that's the if that's the attitude and if they can get away with it, you know, more power to them, I guess. Like, like <laughs> what's to stop them from continually raising these as they have done the last few years? And I wonder to what extent this pay-per-view market for the UFC has potentially changed just slightly with this ESPN deal. I wonder now if you if you're because you're available exclusively on ESPN Plus. I wonder if you're drawing in more casual people who aren't really like hardcore MMA fans. They aren't totally inside the bubble like some of us are and that they frankly like either wouldn't know that the price had gone up, wouldn't notice that the price had gone up, either that or maybe illegally streaming a UFC pay-per-view just wouldn't be in their technological wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Like you're just like a a channel surfer or a sports guy who finds out about this pay-per-view, decides you want to watch it. You're just going to plunk down the money, maybe split it between two, three uh, buddies. And and the idea that you would go online and find a pirated stream might not even enter the minds of some of these people who are, are watching this stuff a little bit more casually. I do wonder if that's the hope on the UFC and the ESPN side, though, don't you think some of that will change as your audience demographic changes, right? Like as some of the older people maybe age out of UFC fandom and you are bringing in, replacing them, you hope, with younger fans, don't you think they are more likely to be technologically savvy? Maybe. Not, not some guy who is only used for the internet is porn, fantasy, football, and email. Well, you know? what else is there on the internet? <laughs> I've heard people do some shopping, huh? but uh, I couldn't tell you much more than that. Speaking of which, I'm supposed to have an elf pet coming for my daughter. Hold on real quick while I, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I'm going to go on Amazon and check, the, uh, check the, the shipping news about this elf pet because this thing is a uh, fucking supply chain. Breath is sure. baited, let's sure. just say, for Log. the damn elf pet to show up. And the thing is, because my daughter still believes in Santa Claus, I can't tell her about the supply chain. Yeah. I can't tell her about the shipping. I have to be like, well, you know, Santa's busy, plus with the weather. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but Santa is magic. <laughs> I just have to be like, ah, yeah, man, you just got to be patient, you know? Yeah. That elf pet is going to show up. Looks like it might be out for delivery. I don't even know what the fucking elf pet is. Well, you don't want to. Okay. Heaven forbid your children ever find out about the world of the elf on a shelf, Ben, folks. I'm well, sorry. Okay. This is a diversion. Go, go. What, what, what are you saying? What's, what's your next point here? Well, one thing I thought of right away when I saw this news. Again, no, shouldn't be surprised at this point. It's January. We're raising pay-per-view prices. And five bucks, maybe you could tell yourself, hey, it's five bucks. What's five bucks? You know, just five bucks each one, you know it's not that big a deal. I do think you're going to reach some point, though, where psychologically it's going to have effect on people where they're just sort of leaning back and going, hold on, wait, what am I paying now? 75 bucks? That sounds like a lot more than 69.99, bro. It does. 75 is a nice round number that yeah. really, really underscores how much you're paying for this stuff. Especially for some of these pay-per-views that are, you know, even though we're loading them up a little more, some of them are better than others. And some yeah. of them just have a little more firepower than others. And so I could see people being like, man, 75 bucks was what I got in my head was for like a big boxing match or something. You know, that's when I would be asked to pay 75 bucks. I don't know about this shit. But the other thing is, it seems like another example to me where you have fighters who have these existing contracts with the UFC, right? Especially where you've been sold your whole career that the the path to wealth and fuck you money is become a champion, get your cut of the pay-per-views, and then defend the title at least a couple times in big pay-per-view events, and that's how you get that big, big money. That's how you, you really leap out of the rank and file and into millionaire fighter territory. And you have your contract, most of them, at least the last time we ever saw one, it was based on you get... 
so many dollars per the number of buys, you know, per buy over 250,000 or something or over 300,000. Then if we go over 500,000, you get uh, a certain extra number of, of dollars per buy. And we go over 750,000, you get, and it's set like that. It's not set on total revenue. It's set on number of buys. And if I have that existing contract with the UFC and they come out and they go, all right, well, we're raising prices on the pay-per-views and we're doing it every year. So, you know, if you became a champion kind of end of uh, 2019, pay-per-views have gone up 10 bucks. It stands to reason that at some point you are going to be selling fewer of them as a result of that. I mean, they, they might feel like they're holding fairly steady now, but and they're not doing what they used to do. Uh, you know, 10 years ago for a big pay-per-view. And you, you're getting to a point where, like you said, maybe you get more people who go, uh, if it's the price goes up, I stream it, or the price goes up, I get together with a couple friends. One way or another, the total number of pay-per-views you sell starts to come down because it costs more. And yet the fighters are still set on the same deal where they get paid per total number sold. And you are making more per pay-per-view because you raised the price on them. And it feels like little by little, it's the same thing that we've talked about before, where the UFC finds ways to route the money from the fighter's pockets to its pocket. The same thing that happened when, when we instituted the Reebok deal. You had a bunch of fighters who were on contracts that sounded like a good idea to them when they signed them, because the deal when they signed them was that you get to sell your own sponsors. And sometimes, you know, you hear from plenty of agents that said, the UFC got us to sign this contract. We weren't thrilled with the money on it, but they said, don't worry, we'll make sure you're always on the main card of a pay-per-view where your sponsorship money will be much greater. And so we said, all right, we're going to make up the difference anyway. And then the UFC just changes the entire game on you and your contract stays the same. And you go, wait, what the fuck? This was not... The, the, the contract I signed was under different circumstances and now it feels like things have changed, And I, but my contract did not change. And at some point, I mean... If managers were doing their jobs, this is the they would want to address this stuff. But I can tell you right now, I don't think many of them are even thinking about it. Not unless their fighters are going to get pissing their ear about it, which most of them probably aren't doing. Because I remember when the UFC moved shit behind the ESPN Plus pay per, the paywall, and I remember talking to some managers and being like, "Don't you think they're probably going to sell fewer, but they're going to make more money?" And you guys are, are sitting here with these per pay per view buy deals are going to make less money. And they went, oh yeah, I mean, I guess maybe we'll talk about that. And I was like, man, that's not what I'd want to hear from you if you were the guy responsible for looking out for my financial interests. Yeah, and like you said, even if they're not selling fewer numbers of pay-per-views, they're still making more money because they keep raising the price while you are making the same amount if you're getting paid per buy, you know, that which would uh, make me ask some questions if I were a, a UFC fighter or a UFC champion who was scheduled to get a cut of pay-per-view buys. Like this isn't like going to the concession stand and raising the price of a t-shirt. If you're a UFC fighter, you are the t-shirt, man. They're making this money off your labor, off your uh, fighting ability and your profile and the public's willingness to pay money to watch you fight. And they keep raising the price. But unless we miss our guess, it doesn't sound like fighters are going to get a cut of it. And frankly, it's just another of what, like a hundred news stories that seemingly come out every single year where it's like, here's a new thing that the UFC is doing to make money. Going to sponsor the light heavyweight division with a trash truck. Light heavyweight division is going to be the trash truck division of the UFC. Glover Tashira, he ain't getting that money. He's not the, the trash truck champion of the UFC. He's not getting a cut of those sponsorship deals. It seems like, especially in the Endeavor era like we are figuring out each each day each moment each passing moment in the ufc what else can we monetize yeah. how can we how can we wring a few more cents out of this dish rag and they just keep twisting it but fighters aren't getting a cut of that and i don't know how you're going to get a cut of it if you don't at some point start asking for it or start making a little bit more noise and all of the news that we have seen recently, as we have talked about pretty much ad nauseum on these shows, like the UFC is, appears to have drawn a hard and fast line in the sand about how much money you're going to get paid if you are a UFC fighter. And yet they keep 
finding new ways to make their own money. They keep raising the price of pay-per-views. They keep finding new sponsorship deals. They keep adding new advertisements to the floor of the octagon. And what is more, as you said at the beginning of this conversation, they kind of won't shut up about it, man. Yeah. Like the UFC is basically putting it in your face that every year is the greatest year in UFC history and it's more and more money and more and more revenue and we are probably going to make a billion damn dollars with 55% profit margins or whatever in 2022 and we're charging more money for pay-per-views and guess what? You ain't getting shit. Yeah, it does feel like the unstated part of a lot of what we're doing and saying here is what are you going to do about it? If you don't like it, what are you going to do about it fighters? And I believe that at this point, the UFC is very, very confident. The answer is nothing. Cause if there, if you were going to do something, it would have happened a long time ago. Well, and their confident fans aren't going to do anything about it either. Cause we're, you know, we're sitting here talking about it right now, but You know, the next time we roll out one of these big UFC pay-per-view events, Big Fran about to fight Cyril Gaon coming up here in a couple weeks. I mean, hey. Probably going to pay 75 bucks to watch it, if I'm being perfectly honest. I'm going to tell you what. When I saw this thing and I started to think about 75 bucks and now I can no longer expense these to a company that will reimburse me for them. And I learned some things while I was doing that, uh, that streaming a story back when I was trying to see if Dana White was just bullshitting, saying he was watching these people's houses. Spoiler alert, he was just bullshitting. I tell you what, my first thought was, you know what? I'm a, maybe I'll see what it's like on the other side of the aisle. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're adding new tools to the toolbox, constantly bettering yourself. I feel like it's important to be always growing in, in as a person in your life. Speaking of growth and betterment... Let's go ahead and do co-main event podcast, Patreon power hour, power rankings. We got them hot and fresh for you. The most powerful recurring segment in all of mixed martial arts, the co-main event podcast, Patreon power hour, power rankings rolls off the tongue, print it on the back of a damn math matchbook. For all I know, we got 10 items this week in the power rankings. We're going to count them down. Now see, not to let the people behind the curtain, Ben, but we made this list. And multiple items on this list had to change in the last, like, two hours. Yeah. Because the the damn mixed martial arts news cycle simply won't quit. It simply won't take five minutes to just chill, dog. It will not chill, dog, for five minutes. And so we are out here continually changing this up. We got ten items this week. Number ten. Ben, here, this one had to change. Just like that, Max Holloway is out of his proposed trilogy fight with Alexander Volkanovsky. Still, we told you guys they were going to put some gold on the poster at UFC 272. This was a topic of conversation over on the live chat this week. People wondering what was going to be happening at this UFC pay-per-view event in March. And, you know... Not just today, yesterday, as soon as we recorded the uh, the live chat and dropped it on the on the feed, pretty much the UFC went out and announced that it had booked dueling championship fights for UFC 272. I believe we're getting Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling on this thing, aren't we? Yeah, and did you see the graphic that they put out for this? I don't know that I have. Well, technically, it's both guys wearing their belts. Hmm. That's, that's, that's the one I saw that went out there. And well, y- you know what that is? That's gold on the poster. But Peter Yan, at least in the image that I saw, Peter Yan had his belt draped over his shoulder. Very prominent. I was being Sterling was wearing his around his waist, and like the text over the image kind of covered it up. And it took me a second. I went, wait a minute. Are we going to do Aljo that dirty? But, I mean, you know this. Like, I hope that Aljamain Sterling is totally healed up and ready to go for this one because this is going to be for all the marbles in a lot of ways for this guy. More so for him than for Peter Yan. Because people have been dicks to Aljamain Sterling for a while now. And, I mean, I told you about going to the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight. People mentioned he was going to be signing autographs. And they booed. They booed the man signing autographs. And there's a lot of people who are going to be waiting to say, Aha, fuck you, you were never a real tramp. You just got it on a DQ if he loses to Peter Yan. This is a must win. 
Bronson Bain Sterling in a way that is not usually the case when you're the defending champion. Yeah, this is the stop being dicks title. Yep. If he wins this, you got to stop being dicks about it. They will not, though. I mean, I feel pretty <laughs> confident about that. A lot of the dicks will still be dicks come Sunday morning, regardless of how it goes. This is bummer news, though, about Max Holloway. Like, this thing was only yeah. out there in the streets. The streets were, were talking. The, their, this uh, fight rang out in the streets for less than 24 hours. Then we find out Max Holloway is out uh, due to some manner of injury uh, of this proposed trilogy fight with Volkanovsky. And makes me wonder, uh, well, what are we going to do here? Are we going to find a replacement? Are we going to do a different title fight? Or will we roll into the newly $75 UFC 272 uh, with just one title fight on here, albeit kind of an eagerly anticipated unification bout. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a real gut punch to lose that one right after you put it together. And I just, I don't know, especially now we're charging 75 bucks for these, if you can rely on Aljo and Peter Jan alone to sell a whole bunch of them for you. Yeah. Yeah, you might have to you might have to make a move there. Going to be interesting to see what happens. Number nine this week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, <laughs> the first ever UFC comedy jam. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, we're watching this. You know that? We're watching you're, this. You're watching this. Nope. You, nope. you can illegally stream this with your new uh, skills and two new technological know-how, mm-hmm. my guy. Listen to me, you son of a bitch. You're not weaseling out of this the way you weaseled out of Hereditary. The, the patrons of the co-main event podcast will not allow you to. I, you know, when I had an idea that we were both going to sit down and watch Brendan Schaub's stand-up special, you wouldn't do it. I'll, I mean, I'm not going to say there haven't been moments where I look back and think maybe Chad was right on that one. But I saw the trailer for this shit. You got Henry Cejudo dropping jokes. You got Chael Sonnen <laughs> up there doing his stuff. Uh, I mean, listen, we are watching this shit. I know the people won't are not going to let you off the hook on this one. I have faith yeah. in them. This is a, uh, I mean, you got the usual suspects up there, right? Not a, not a ton of surprises for who they're going to drag out to do the stand-up comedy at the UFC Comedy Jam. Uh, one thing from watching the trailer, which, you, which, by the way, your glee was palpable when you sent me this morning the, the trailer for the first ever UFC Comedy Jam. Uh, you know, Henry Cejudo's out there making fun of himself being short. Chael Sonnen is out there making fun of Henry Cejudo for being short. <laughs> is there any doubt that Chael Sonnen is just is going to be an incredibly skilled insult comic? Because that just seems like basically what he's been doing for 15 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just resign yourself to it now. Clear some time on the schedule. I'll make some popcorn. Watching this shit. This is the kind of shit you don't get in real sports, man. <laughs> you know, no one is like, hey, man, let's get uh, James Harden and LeBron and one of the, uh, you know, uh, Ball brothers. Let's get LaMelo Ball and we'll, we'll have us. A, we'll have a roast. We'll have a stand up comedy uh, spectacular on stage somewhere. They're not doing that. They're not doing no. that over in the NBA. So, uh, well, the thing we I get. was I was struck by is. All the the jokes that I saw, I'm like, man, you really gotta, you gotta show up with some MMA knowledge. These are gonna, I think a lot of these jokes are gonna rely on you having been an avid consumer of MMA content and memes and whatnot, because otherwise you're not gonna get some of these references. This is playing to a such a niche audience. I would love to. I want us to have one of these where we plant in the audience at least one person who 
knows what MMA is, has heard of some of the people, has heard of Conor McGregor, and that's about it. Just to see the look up, like, so we can pan the camera to them every once in a while after one of these jokes. After our Derek Lewis balls is hot joke absolutely kills, we can pan over to this person being like, what the <laughs> fuck? What? Have I gone uh, insane? <laughs> uh, all right. Number eight this week. Now, see, here's what the power rankings does. It brings you up, and then now it's going to bring you back down. Okay. <laughs> Wait, was that is, us? What, what, yeah. Were you just no, up we just were, now? We were riding high with the comedy <laughs> okay. bit, with the okay. UFC comedy jam. I don't know now, if I was riding that high, but okay. Now, now it's going to bring us back down a little bit. Artem Lobov out here with the world's saddest, most heartbreaking reasons for retiring from mixed martial arts. I believe he is on the MMA hour uh, with Ariel Helwani. He says, so this time when he says this is a big decision for him, and it doesn't make this lightly. And he says, so now this time when I retired, I had to come to the point where I said to myself, well, that's it. You will not achieve those goals. It will not happen for you. You weren't good enough. You didn't manage to get where you wanted to get. This is it now for you as a fighter. Time to hang him up, Artem. Bye-bye. It was an emotional time for me. So there's that. That's where wow. we're just going to start. We're going to start with that. Then he hits us with this, Ben. Another reason was the brain damage. Okay. It's been in the news the last couple of years. It's something that I certainly paid attention to a lot, and I realized that I'm going to need my health. I'm probably not going to make enough money fighting to just last me a lifetime, so I'm going to have to be doing something else, and for that, I need a good working brain. Wow. Okay. So he's going he's gonna to hit you with, not good enough, time to hang him up, bye-bye, Artem. Then he's going to follow that up. Item sub one, brain damage. And he's going to hit you with this one, this one, just a, just a, just a topper, just the icing on the cake. On top of that, I have a kid now who I would like to be a good father to. Be a grandfather to his children one day. So these things are combined. I mean, it seems like incredibly reasonable, well thought out decision making process here by Tim Lobov. Although... When you've been fighting in BKFC, the whole hang em up thing gets a little tougher to the, the imagery. It's different when you've been doing the bare knuckle thing. But, uh, I mean, honestly, how could you argue with anything he's saying here? The, I get that he's putting it a little more starkly than most people will. But uh, that's maybe, I wonder if there's some other fighters out there who see this and go, if that's the conversation Artem was having with himself. Should I be having that conversation with myself just to see what I feel like the answers are? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not I'm not going to argue against it because I'm too busy sitting here staring glumly into my whiskey tumbler. Just like silently turning the glass around and round in circles at the bar. And then saying to yourself, time to hang them up, Chad. Bye-bye. This is, this is some of the saddest shit that I have. I didn't expect... Artem Lobov to drop this on me today. I got to be perfectly frank with you. I didn't think Artem Lobov will undermine my faith in the world and humanity in general today when I woke up. It's not something I thought. But what would you say? Would you sit there and be like, no, Artem, stick around. You might make that life-changing money that'll stay, and you'll, you'll be fine. You know, your oh, brain will be fine. No, he's, he's totally right about all this he's shit. He's right. That's why it's sad. That's the sad part about it. <laughs> but you know what? I mean... Good for him for being able to have this talk with himself and to be this honest with himself about it. Power rankings, they're going to bring you down. And then they're going to bring you back up. Okay, we're going back up now. Number is seven, that, is that the big tuna is back. baby. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm old. I'm sky high now. What is your hype level? Ben Parrish, your guy. He's about to come and fight. Uh Sullivan Cauley, who definitely sounds not like a real, a real person. person. That's not a real person. Over there at Bellator 273. That's coming up January 29th. They'll be out at the granddaddy of them all, the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Come on. You're just making up stuff. You're making up fighters. You're making up arenas. If I, Come on. If I told you that a guy named the Big Tuna was going to fight Sullivan Cauley at the Footprint Center, would you think I was just fucking with you? I would think you were talking about 1925 boxing. <laughs> That's what I would think. He says he's got no problem going out there and quote unquote, killing another prospect for Bellator. 
then I know you're going to be tuned in, locked in, eyes on the big tuna for his comeback fight at the end of the month. Mainly what I'm going to want to see are what what are the betting odds look like for the big tuna. Because, you know, considerable underdog last time, which is how I got roped into a bet against him. An uh, ill-advised bet against the big tuna. And, you know, now I, I see this guy billed as a Ryan Bader protege. 2-0 2-0 in MMA, both those fights for Bellator. You know, we've we've seen that kind of a thing before where somebody, Bellator gets their hands on somebody early on and that's pretty much their whole career. This is usually the point in that person's career where they would not be trying to put them up against somebody they thought was going to beat them. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I like this quote here from the Big Tuna. I know what I'm getting myself into right here. I don't want to sell him too high or sell him too short, but he's a college wrestler. He's got some hands. He's really fast, athletic, powerful. Like I said, I know he's not fixing to quit. It's going to be one of those war fights, and I'm ready to get it on and going. If they want me to kill every prospect they got, I will. That's a Big Tuna. It's a Big Tuna. Big Tuna equals big bucks for Ben Folks. Mm-hmm. That's what the headline is going to be. Yep. After you bring home these winnings, uh, the news cycle continues to churn. I'm just going to tell you this is this is going to make you smile. Henry Cejudo offers to step in against Alexander Volkanovsky. Well, okay. Quote Dana White, you have my number. When you say offers to step in, you're reading a tweet here from Henry Cejudo. Does Henry Cejudo know that tweets out there? Does well, he know? let's see here. Triple C to the rescue. Dana White, you have my number. Yeah, I'm just oh, saying. Let's get a Photoshop here. Does Henry, nice little Photoshop. Henry, does Henry Cejudo, the person, know that this tweet is out there? Man, Henry Cejudo is probably not even up yet. <laughs> it's 1130 on the West Coast. He's probably just, he's probably uh, watching first take or something. I don't know. Laying in bed. It is a decent Photoshop, though. I, I do wonder if, for the purposes of the Photoshop, is Henry Cejudo standing on some phone books or something? I don't know, because they see, about the same height. He, he, here's what, what had happened was, he woke up early, immediately got on his laptop uh, to flex his Photoshop skills, mm-hmm. to create this poster so that he could send this tweet. That's how you know Henry Cejudo sent this tweet himself, because I mean, of the Photoshop. Or he's just got a bunch of these ready. He's just got, he's got, <laughs> he's got like a library of them. Yeah. For every possible combination. And he's just like, he went to like files, photoshops, Volkanovsky done. <laughs> I admire it. I admire his level of focus and intensity. Number six this week, Ben Cubby Sampson and Uriah Faber want to fight for a quote unquote throwback WEC belt. But who is going to break into Jose Aldo's house to get it? <laughs> <laughs> so we're just having fun here Cub yeah. Swanson says he wants to fight Uriah Faber says he'd love to fight him says hey man they made the BMF belt why don't we make an honorary throwback WEC belt that can be on the line for my fight with Uriah Faber Uriah Faber pretty much comes out and says I'm your Huckleberry essentially says he knows that uh, Cub Swanson is going to have to uh, rehab the broken hand that he suffered during his last fight but other than that he's he's into it I'm just saying, this is one of those things where when you when you float the idea of Cubby Sampson and Uriah Faber fighting for a throwback WEC belt, you can't think too deeply about it. No. Or else you start to realize whose belt in which weight class mm-hmm. no. are we fighting for? Because if it's the featherweight strap, have a feeling Jose Aldo is going to have some some questions about what's really going on with that. And if it's the bantamweight belt, then Dominic Cruz might have some questions. I think you just you cut out a piece of cardboard. Like, you know, it's that time of year. We all, just coming off of Christmas, we got Amazon boxes sitting around here, right? Mm-hmm. I got one mm-hmm. that's the, an American Girl doll came in. It's long enough. We'll just cut it out in the shape of a belt, scroll WEC in marker across it, and that's good enough. Or we go with Brandon, get Brandon Moreno to make us one of those Lego ones. You know, he, he could do that. He could do that on a Saturday afternoon. Nothing to do. Um, I did like, though, that Uriah Faber said how Cub Sanson would uh, he, he'd have to rehab his injured hand. And that would give him time to train. I was like, OK, yeah, that's that's a that's a practical middle aged man right there being like, well, I need to hop on the treadmill a time or two before I'm going to be ready to do this. But uh, if he's hurt, you know, I, I got 
I got a couple weeks. I can get yeah. started on Monday. First thing Monday, though. First thing. I'm in there. Just about to start running. Yep. Uh, number five this week, Ben. Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury are going to have to just pick one discipline and stick to it. Because here you got the heavyweight champ, Tyson Fury, challenging the other heavyweight champ, Francis Ngannou, via tweet, obviously. Yeah. He says, who would you like, who would like to see me fight this beast? Referring to Ngannou. And then he says, boxing rules with UFC gloves, question mark. And then Francis Ngannou comes back and says, how about MMA rules with boxing gloves? I can do you that favor, says Ngannou. What? What? Yeah. That one seems just impractical, Francis. What are we doing here? Well, either of these, man. It's just, I don't. Can't we just one, one or the one or the other, one or the other. Let's just do that. One or the other. We don't have to. We don't have to make a fucking Frankenstein up in here with with, a, with any fights. And an MMA fight on Boxing Day with three minute rounds. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'll happen in the Triller Triangle. Yep. Except the floor will be ice. And we'll get both Buffer Brothers to announce it. Mm -hmm. If you can climb a ladder in the middle of the triangle (laughs) and hit a button at the top, it opens uh, the the door of a cage and a tiger comes out. I mean, are you saying that like their, their willingness to get overly imaginative and, you know, D- dilute the the th- whole thing we're offering to do they're already just saying stuff yes so yes. like even if they were even if tyson fury was like get in over here in a boxing ring and i will fight you it's too far away contractually for it to be anything other than just saying stuff at this point so are you saying that they're kind of destroying your ability to suspend disbelief how about we fight on stilts we'll both get a pair of stilts and we'll we'll uh, we'll fight each other with swords. Well, see, now I'm just coming to the realization that I absolutely would watch Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury in a sumo wrestling match in the Yama Pit. Yeah, swords. Special if guest I mean, referee Baruto. The mere suggestion that Tyson Fury would fight you in anything if you are Francis Ngannou should be an exciting prospect. You should be like, let me out of this damn UFC contract. Immediately, I will submit to Cyril Gone due to fear before the fight even starts at UFC 270. Peace out. Thanks for the cheese. I will see you wherever I, I get to fight Tyson Fury and I will take that money walking away. You should, I mean, that should, if Tyson Fury wants to fight you in anything, you should just be like, yep, yep, where's, send me the contract. You're saying it's kind of like, send me location. It's kind of like when Julian Marquez was trying to get a date with Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And then she replied with some conditions. And instead of just replying by doing it immediately and saying, send me location, he replied with like his own conditions and fucked it yes. up completely. You're saying no like need that. for a counter offer here. Yeah. Just, just take accept. it. Just yep. take the money. Number four this week, Ben, a pirate fight alert. Matt Brown going to square off with Brian Barberina. When the UFC comes to Columbus, Ohio, coincidentally the hometown of the immortal Matt Brown, on March 26th, I mean, we're talking about Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury fighting on stilts with swords in the Yama pit. You got to have this one on the deck of a, of a ship, of yeah. an old buccaneer's ship, a clipper ship of some kind, parked in the bay of a tropical island. And just let these guys throw down out there on the creaking, listing, bucking deck of the ship. Yeah. And you know what? This one, as soon as I heard this pairing, I was like, oh, shit. Why haven't we done this before? What It feels like this should have been a natural fit. Why did it take us so long to get around to this one? Yeah. And Brian Barbarina is the kind of guy who will get even more excited to fight you when he finds out you are immortal. he'll be like i guess we'll see about that who do you like in this one oh god so hard to say probably barbarina but at the same time you know matt brown he can he can surprise you we've seen him do it before and to be fired up in his hometown he don't want to lose to the 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 pirate in his hometown 
Yeah. He's going to be uh, out there in front of friends and family. He wants to get it done. Yeah. Number three this week, Ben, I could do without the CTE stuff. But Sean O'Malley has a point about why fighting Cody Garbs makes no sense for him. Right? Here he is. Now, see, this is, again, this is Sean O'Malley on his own show, the Timbo Sugar Show, which is a name probably only rivaled by the co-main event podcast Patreon Power Hour Power Rankings for sheer uh, snappiness. He says, I go out there and I knock out Cody. He's one and six in his last seven. I lose to Cody, and then I lose to someone who is looked at as someone who kind of sucks now, <laughs> oh. says Sean O'Malley. So that's him, without mincing words, breaking down why he would not want to fight Cody Garbrandt. And he's saying he's kind of right, right? I guess. But also, if you were Cody Garbrandt, former UFC champion here and that, wouldn't you also be like, this motherfucking kid ain't fought nobody? Mm-hmm. And he's out here talking about me like that. That's how I'd feel if I were Cody Garbs. See, if I were Cody Garbs, the thing that would really get under my skin was the part where he says, it doesn't make sense for him to say that, O'Malley said. You wonder if that's CTE. Yeah, that's not very nice. That's See, not that's nice the way to go about that. If I were Cody Garbrandt, that's the, that's the one where I would be like, what? What'd you say? I mean, I I get the thinking there, right? Is that the skid that he's on, I'm coming up, he's going down, and so why do I want to match myself up against that guy? And yet, wouldn't a knockout over former UFC champ Cody Garbrandt be the, the biggest pelt on Sean O'Malley's wall? Sure, by far, yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, it, it would be a reasonable fight. It's just, but I can also see... Maybe sometimes to his detriment, Sean O'Malley understands how everybody in this sport thinks, which is that if how we like to say you can always detract from somebody's legacy by going back retroactively, looking at their wins and being like, oh, well, that wasn't that great. That doesn't mean that much. And he knows how people would do if he knocked out Cody Garbrandt and was like, OK, look, I knocked out a former UFC champion. He's right that people would be like, mm, the guy was one in six in his last seven. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, we, we love to uh, explain away people's accomplishments. One of our main things in this sport. Wasn't uh, Cody Garbrandt just recently talking, though, about how he was just going to depart the UFC? Like he wanted to go someplace where they were going to treat him like a champion? Was he going to actually be a champion to be treated that way? <laughs> Maybe treated like a former champion. Okay. <laughs> I mean, in the UFC's own way, they are already doing that. With Cody <laughs> I that's true. I guess that's true. Uh, number two this week, Ben. Me. Junior Dos Santos is fighting again? Clicks link. Aw, oh, man. Why they do that? <laughs> oh. Do you know this, Ben? Oh, Junior yep. Dos Santos is returning to the world of professional prize fighting. He will fight uh, Kubrat Pulev. Probably nailed it. Uh, at Triad Combat 2. Sometime in early 2022. Uh, this is two-time boxing championship challenger, Kubrat Pulev. So, sounds like Junior Dos Santos is going to go out here and fight an actual boxer in the Triller triad of trepidation. I don't know, man. Not sure I like it. Kind of wanted him to stay over there in the pro wrestling. Maybe keep cashing them checks. Where he yeah. uh, looked like a natural. Um, I mean, it seems like we're trying to set Pulev up to be able to say he's knocked out a couple former UFC heavyweight champions, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Damn near murdered one of them already. And now we're going to put Junior Santos in there, who's, you know, maybe uh, primed to be able to do a little better than that. But also, I wouldn't pick him. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's the favorite. And... Here's this is interesting though his his comments about using this fight as sort of a bellwether to see what he, what the future holds for him. I'm thankful for the comments and for the worry with which that's see that's not what I want to hear if I have agreed to a fight as I don't want to hear a bunch of people worried for me. I want to hear them excited for me, not like a bunch of people be like, "Bro, we are concerned." 
But this time, I talked to myself and to my family to think about everything and decide what to do. I'm 37 years old now, and I was thinking about stopping. Maybe it's not for me anymore, but that's not my truth. My truth is I love this thing, and I still can do it. If you go to the gym and see me training, man, I'm getting better. This fight now will show all those people, all the people that support me and those who doesn't. This fight will show everybody who I am for real, because I am feeling that way. I'm feeling happy, and if I don't perform well, then it's going to be the reality. Then it's going to be my kind of, okay, it's for real, I'm not performing well anymore. Do you believe that he would really come around to that? If he goes out there, gets his ass kicked, do you think that Junior Dos Santos will, in fact, turn around and be like, okay, that's I, I've seen what I needed to see. I'm done. I mean, I hate to say this, right? Because we've been around the sport a long time. Junior Dos Santos is a likable dude, a guy that everyone has respect for. But when you hear people talking like that, when you hear an aging fighter saying all of those words in that order knowing who he is about to go fight, at which event. Doesn't that sound like a dude who's about to get knocked out? Like, don't those sound like the words of a guy who's probably going to go out there and lose this fight, if we're being perfectly honest? I mean, I think he's going to go out and lose that fight regardless of what he said. Regardless but, of the words that he says and when, in which order? Yes. I think if he, he could tell me that... Uh, He's 100% certain he's going to win and start a, a climb to boxing champion. I still would not believe it. So, I don't know. But um, I'll just say I hope he enjoys the process, the training, the getting back in the gym, you know, all that stuff. Sounds like he's excited about it. That's good. And I hope he saves the money because that's that's what you better be doing this this one for. You know what? Junior Dos Santos would like to thank you for the advice and the worries. He is welcome to both. Number one, this week, Ben, it's all it says in my notes. Well, holy shit. This is new out. This is another item in the power range that had to change right before we started recording. Derek Lewis, I believe now confirmed. I think I just saw on the internets that the contracts are signed for this one. Derek Lewis going to fight the big homie Ty Tuivasa in Houston, Texas at UFC 271. This is, I mean, this is a, this is the, the co-main event podcasts, heavyweight dream fight right here. Yeah. Two of our open and shut guys about to throw down and with frankly, pretty, pretty legitimate stakes here between these two guys. You know, I like to think, we're doing this one in Houston, right? That somewhere, you know, maybe let's say three, four miles away from the arena on fight night, somebody will be sitting there doing their crossword puzzle or whatever of a Saturday evening, uh, got a glass of water next to them, stay hydrated, and it'll be like in Jurassic Park where you see like the, the impact tremor on the water. And you'll see that they'll, they'll look at the water glass shaking there on the table and be like, what? What is happening? And then they'll remember, oh, that's right. Derek Lewis and Ty Tuivasa are fighting it. The fight must have started. These two big boys, meaty men, must be slapping that meat, throwing those bungalows. That explains it. And then they'll just go back to the crossword. Now, you will recall a week or two ago over on the comainevent.com when I wrote this story, having a little fun with these heavyweight futures bets. These heavyweight title odds for the futures, which had recently come out from betonline.ag. And after I sifted through all the odds, my ultimate uh, conclusion was, man, you can get Tai Tuivasa at plus 2,500 to be the UFC heavyweight champion by the end of the year. And at the time, my logic was, well, let's say... Tuivasa goes out and wins one more fight. And then at the end of the year, when the UFC is trying to set up some big heavyweight showcase with Cyril Gaon or Francis Ngannou and John Jones or Stipe Miocic and somebody like this, there's a last minute injury. And suddenly matchmakers are out here scrounging around trying to find a fun and game opponent to step in and save the end of the year pay-per-view. And I said, your guy is tied to Ivasa. That's the guy who steps in. And if that happens, then you're just one big old Christmas ham away from 
cash in your bet. Because Tatu Uvasa could go out there and knock anybody out on any given night. Plus 2500 Put the bet down. Take the flyer. Put $20 you never want to see again down on it just for shits and giggles, man. Because you don't know what is going to happen. And now, fast forward to today. January 7th, the year of our Lord, 2022, Ben. We're sitting here. Man, you're... You, this this thing's damn near about to come become a reality. Like this is the fight you wanted. If you wanted to make Tai Tuivasa a legitimate title contender by the end of the year, you couldn't do much better than than signing him up for a slobber knocker with Derek Lewis. This is perfect. It's like you manifested this. You personally brought this into being. Do I mean, you have I the balls? I don't to want back to sit here your- and tell you. That I'm endowed with a terrifying power like that, but I'm also not going to tell you I'm not. Do you have the balls to put twenty bucks you never want to see again down? On, what it was like plus twenty five hundred odds on Ty Tuivasa and the year's champion? I absolutely would, absolutely would. Somebody tell me where I can put the bet down. BetOnline.ag. That sounds like a place you'd never get your money out of once you put it in there. <laughs> but we might as well give it a shot. I mean, this shit is just. I, I also like to think that maybe. In their own subtle way, this is the UFC showing the other heavyweights who are sitting around trying to talk about how they want that big money for those big fights to be like, hey, look, we could just have ourselves a good time if you guys want to bench yourselves and and hold out for big paydays. We have some just fun bullshit we could do, and people will like it. Who wins this? Who wins this? Is there any way to, the to fans, prognosticate Chad, this? The fans. Is there, is there any way to prognosticate this fight where these two guys are just going to go out there and just let it all hang out? Two big old bangers swinging them thangs? Uh, I mean, I I assume Derek Lewis shoots a single leg right off the bat, right? I mean, just, he is, he, he'll never he is see it out coming. Here. He is out here calling out all these fellow wrestlers, saying he wants to fight Steve Amiocic. They could go out there and have a little uh, wrestling match. Um. I gotta say, I think Derek Lewis wins it just because I feel like Derek Lewis, what we've seen of him recently shows that he has become a little bit of a smarter fighter lately and knows how to you get his tools where he can use them. And so it's easier for me to imagine that he figures out a way to, to clip Tai Tuivasa first um, while Tai Tuivasa still seems like he is in just planting and throwing mode. I mean, everybody is a uh, is a technical and improved fighter until they run up against the Christmas hams. Well, you don't want one of those Christmas hams in the teeth. I mean, it is a pretty big step up in competition for Tai Tuivasa. He is on that four-fight win streak that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But Stefan Struve, uh, Harry Hunsucker Proxy, Greg Hardy, and Augusto Sakai are the wins on that winning streak previous to that he had lost three in a row to junior dos santos blagoy ivan even ivanev nailed it and sergey spivak uh so this isn't like this is legitimately a pretty big step up in competition for tai to ivasa but but a fight you got to win if you're going to be uh even dipping a toe into the heavyweight elite yeah yeah better to win this one than to lose i would say yeah no i'm i i uh I'm getting a little giddy just thinking about it. Like, this is going to be a good fight. These guys are going to throw down. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Derek Lewis should should be the favorite. But, I mean, you're you're if this thing goes the way we think it's going to go, it's basically a coin flip. Yeah. I mean, that's two guys who are both going to be looking at each other, knowing that the other guy has just has to land one good one. Well, that's going to do it. That wraps up the co-main event podcast patreon power hour power rankings and by extension the power hour itself ben we got this free weekend there's no there's no big time ufc event this weekend what are you gonna do with your time off what are you, what are you gonna do with your spare time i'm gonna go skiing that's okay. what i'm gonna do yeah where are you yeah. gonna go uh i'm gonna go to lake como gonna ski up there in the majesty of the Bitterroot Valley, look down upon all you losers from up high, and then I'm going to drift back down gently on a cloud. Sounds lovely. It sounds dare or I'll say just I'll eat power. a bunch of gummies and watch some movies. Okay, well, you got to do something because coming up next week, we're back at it. UFC on ESPN, Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikadze. 
and then that gets you back in the pipeline, man, because UFC 270 is is the week after that. Cyril gone against Francis Ngano and Brandon Moreno versus Davis and Figueredo, and then we're off and running, man. Uh, Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland, UFC 271, Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. We're rolling. As in the in the words of former UFC mainstay Burt Watson, we rolling. We rolling indeed. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. We'll be back on Monday with the proper and an entire additional week of Patreon content coming to you just like we do every single week. As to right now, though, we are done. <laughs> <laughs>